Well, right now, we are joining none other than the legendary Jerry Grosskreutz. Where are you? You're in Mankato, but where are you in Mankato? At the Mayo Clinic Health Systems Event Center in downtown Mankato for the Minnesota Ag Expo. All right. You'll take it away there, fella. (laughs) All right. What a great event. Today's the second day. I heard yesterday over 500 pre-registrations which was a really good number. Bob Worth is here with me, uh, president of the Minnesota Soybean Growers. Thanks for coming on. I always know I can count on Bob Kiss. He's not shy. Oh, I know. I'm not shy at all. And I actually did check just now that we've had over over a 1,000 people registered for this event already. Wow, that's a good number. Sam Ziegler is here. Sam likes to keep this quiet, guys, but we are distantly related. Oh, my. Yep, his mom was a, a shawl, and my mom was a shawl from Mapleton, but it would be bad for his career, so Sam likes to keep that quiet, right, Sam? Hey, good morning, cousin. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe second or third cousin. Everybody knows what the soybean growers are, but Sam, tell the folks a little bit about Green Theme and how exciting it is. That what I like about it is we need to stand up and take a bow for what we have here in Minnesota. Yeah, you know, Green Seam's a regional industry cluster hub of economic development around food and ag, and, and having an event like this in in the south, southern Minnesota where all this ag economics are happening is fantastic. So I really appreciate Minnesota Ag Expo, Minnesota Soybean Growers, and Corn Growers for having the event here. And we also have to say thank you to the guy who let me mooch his booth again this year, Ward Formal Executive Director of the Minnesota Agriculture Water Resource Center. <laughs> well, glad to have you here, Jerry. And as you've talked about, you're being here at Mid-Ag Expo uh, this the last couple of days visiting with farmers and, and other folks in the industry has been just, uh, very good. And I was wondering if you were going to be done with your phone call before we went on the air. But uh, that, that's what you want. Yep. You uh, want to talk to farmers. We do. And t- basically trying to find out what the issues are, what are, the, what are they dealing with, and then sharing a little bit of our experience. And why don't you explain, I, I like to think the folks here would know what the Minnesota Agriculture Water Resource Center is because we've talked many times. Yeah, so basically we're a coalition of ag groups from across the state of Minnesota working on water issues ranging from you know feedlot permits and drainage and irrigation to nutrient management. And anywhere there are uh, concerns or issues, we try to be there to be a resource for farmers. And why don't you explain the Discovery Farm? So I love this idea. And we have to say... We kind of stole it from what, uh, Wisconsin? We did. And so we've had a Discovery Farms program in Minnesota for about a decade now. And uh, basically what it is, it's it's on real working farms. We're gathering edge-of-field data on nutrient and sediment losses because one of the things we found to be lacking was actual data. And plot data is important for a lot of things we do in agriculture. Um, but farmers wanted a better understanding of what was happening environmentally at a field scale. And, of course, one thing that's really cool, too, is, and I found out yesterday, and I called Warren, my friend, he's supposed to let me know these things, but I was talking to Jessica Rawlings, Executive Director at Farm America, and you've got a huge uh, tile drainage and discovery farm project right at Farm America. We do, and, and it's sort of the southern Minnesota demonstration site and, and research site for, for tile drainage, and, and we think it's really important, you know, with all the pressures around how farmers manage water and, and need to upgrade or, or replace many of these aging tile systems. A lot of them are over 100 years old, 
And so it, it's important to have a place where those who have concerns about how, how drains work can really see and, and look at actual data. And also farmers can make better decisions about the engineering of these systems by looking at a place like what we're doing at Farm America. And I like the idea, too, that's a step farther than the tile drainage that I have at my farm because you're actually going to be doing control drainage. So when the tile don't need to be running, uh, they're going to be blocked up. Absolutely. It's, it's state-of-the-art system, and and as such, it's you know, a little more expensive to install. And so that's part of what we're trying to figure out is what are the economics? Is it worth it? And hopefully then allow farmers, if, if it is proven to be a good technology, allow more farmers across Minnesota to use it. Well, Bob, it is exciting that uh, we have organizations like the Minnesota Agriculture Water Resource Center to develop that scientific data that we can uh, go and tell consumers the kind of job we're doing or maybe regulators or legislators. Well, by far. And also, not only that, we can also tell our, our buyers that because they are really interested in what we're doing for water quality and how we are, are controlling water and how, how we're protecting our soil. So this, all these things are fantastic for us when we start talking, especially to the European Union, because they are the ones that are so tough on making sure that we're doing things right. And Sam, from Green Team's point of view, even having things like this, that's part of your, your bragging kit, isn't it, to tell prospective businesses that are here, maybe they want to expand or other businesses come here. This is part of our infrastructure of agriculture, so to speak. We have some of the best farm ground in the world that's right here. And um, there's tools like Warren is providing the farmers and Minnesota soybean growers are allowing these tools to continue to be used because there's groups out there that don't think that we should do these things, right? And tile drainage, uh, you know, in Blue Earth County, the county we're in, most of the tile drainage systems were put in between 1910 and 1920. And that's even older than you and I, Bob. Oh, yeah, quite a little older. <laughs> and so... Continuing to look at how do we involve and how do we uh, upgrade and how do we change our drainage systems to be more productive for the future, it only equates to sustainability. It only equates to better quality. It only equates to having a healthier economy. And Green Team is really about how do we build this whole region and economy up around food and ag. And this work is fits perfectly in there, Jerry. This goes back a few years. I was in a geology class at the University of Minnesota, and the professor was standing up there, and it can be a little bit dry. But all at once, he caught, what are you laughing at, Warren? I think I've heard this story before. <laughs> <laughs> and this professor was talking about soil. And he said if there was a Garden of Eden in all of the United States, or all of Minnesota and the United States, it's a 10-mile band from Fairmont to Freeborn. And I go, I think I know where that is. <laughs> you know, I was just at a conference uh, in Kansas City, and there was uh, top chef Andrew Rush that spoke. He was a naval veteran as well and grew up in Alabama. And he said, you know, he goes, you guys don't know how good you got it. He goes, I go to Home Depot to buy the soil that you have in Minnesota. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then it relates back, Bob, to the work that Warren is doing, too. Sure, we want to get this data. We want to be able to show and tell people. But, Warren, a lot of your work is also... Farmers come to you saying, how can we figure out how to do it better? It Not is. just take a bow for what we're doing. It is, absolutely. And, and you know, I appreciate I, when you sat the three of us down here, Jerry, I wondered how you were going to weave this together. But this is an amazing conversation. 
And you think about the foundation we have for agriculture here in Minnesota. It all starts with the soil, and then it's the people, the farmers. And then if you think back over, well, since Minnesota became a state, the, the, the cities like Mankato and the industry that has developed around agriculture. And it, I, I'm just so thrilled to just be part of this whole conversation. And, it, and we celebrate that here by talking to the farmers who are the heart and soul of this. Yeah, because it all starts with what we do. And Sam, all those big businesses, they're here because of the great soil, the climate, and the farmers that are here. Yeah, I mean, look at how many booths are here today. And I don't know, maybe Bob knows the numbers, but there's five rows of booths of businesses and industry and um, government entities that are all here because of, you know, food brings people together, ag brings people together, and they're here to talk about solving new challenges, innovating innovation of what's the next thing coming and um just the fact of networking with other farmers across the state is a lot of value i heard bob uh pre-registration for exhibitors was over 80 You're, the president should know this right let's let's put a little pressure on bob pre-registration was 800 80 booths oh no 110 booths. wow 110 booths so we were completely sold out as you can see, we have like 10 booths out yeah, in the yeah. hallway. So we had 100 in here and uh, 10 out in the hall. We are working on maybe getting a bigger um, show floor that we'll be able to bring more people into the, the trade show next year. It's uh, it's going to be exciting because uh, this, this show is not dying. It's growing because when you have over 1,000 people on just on Saturday, it's really amazing. What's going to happen today? You know, we're, we probably could be a... 12, 1,300 people come to this show to see what's going on in egg. And it's really exciting that people really do have an interest and are exciting about egg because uh, it, it is a, it's a great occupation. Let's face it. It's a great occupation to be in. It's stressful at times, but it's a great occupation. You know, Sam, when I first knew you, you were working for the Minnesota Soybean Growers and and then you went over to work with Green Team as it was getting started. And the first thing that popped in my mind is, how come somebody didn't think of this 10, 20, 30 years or 40 years ago? <laughs> we, we overlook our greatest asset in our state, and it's agriculture. We often get overlooked at the legislative legislators, and, and what we think about is the most important things. Um, might not be the top employer in your local community, might not be the top industry, but if you really think about why the industry is there or why the top employer of a hospital or a nursing home is there it's because of the industry that is agriculture and so i really got to see the big picture view working with minnesota soybean growers when the international trade delegations knew more about our region than most local people because they're buying the food from here and you know the work that's being done with our university and overseas trade delegations there's more people in the world that care about what's happening here sometimes <laughs> than we do locally and i think Part of that awareness is what Green Seam is really trying to build up. Well, Sam, Bob, Warren, if you can stand by, we better check out the markets, and we'll continue with today's AM Minnesota program from the Minnesota Ag Expo. Yep, Jerry is in Mankato. Our KDHL agribusters include Werner Farm Seed Dundas, quality seed for reasonable prices, including cover crop seed. Give Paul or Gina a call at 507-645-7995. And Craig Keller at the Keller Insurance Agency near Strand, he helps protect all things that are near and dear to you. Soybeans and corner lower, cattle are higher, hogs are mixed. 
I'm John Perkins with the Brownfield Market Update. Stein invented short-stature corn, then they perfected it. For unique hybrids derived from the most superior corn breeding program, choose MX Series Corn by Stein. Soybeans were mixed early but have resumed their lower trend watching development weather and early harvest activity in South America. For Brazil, those early yields are generally pretty poor while conditions in Argentina remain mostly favorable. March beans are down three and a half at 12.02 and a quarter. May is four and a half lower at 12.13 and three quarters. March bean meals down $2.50 at 3.56.20. March soybean oils 53 points lower at 47.17. Corn's down, hanging near the recent lows, also watching conditions in South America. Stateside export demand for U.S. corn has improved, and ethanol demand remains solid. Ethanol numbers are out a little bit later today, while uh, weekly export sales numbers are delayed until tomorrow. March corn's four and three quarters lower at 4.37 and a half, and May's down four and three quarters at 4.49. Wheat's mostly lower ahead of another round of bitterly cold conditions, potentially causing winter kill in some key growing areas. March Chicago's down six and a half at 576. Rice, uh, cotton's mostly higher. March is up 16 at 81.88. May's up 18 at 82.87. Not a lot of fundamental backing for the gains. Rice is lower on tech, on a profit taking. March is down three and a half at 1761. Live and feeder cattle are higher, supported by the recent strength in beef. Watching weather in the major feeding areas ahead of tomorrow's on feeder port. February lives up a dollar and a dime at 174.25, and April's 122 higher at 176.85. With this lower move in corn, March feeders are 297 higher at 232.77. And hogs are mixed, mostly lower on spread trade and profit taking, with February down two at 71.40, and April lean up uh, 32 now at 78.30. John Perkins. Brownfield. AM Minnesota on the Mighty 920 KDHL. All right, we're going to continue. Jerry Grosskreutz is in Mankato at the Ag Expo. Jerry? Uh, thank you again, Gordy. Being joined by Warren Formal, the Executive Director of the Minnesota Agriculture Water Resource Center. Bob Worth is a corn and soybean grower over in southwestern Minnesota on the Buffalo Ridge. And Sam Ziegler is Executive Director of Green theme. And Warren, thanks again for letting me uh, mooch off you guys who've done this for a number of years. Yeah, we even displaced uh, Tim for a little while, who, who helps with the Discovery Farms. He does, and, and hopefully we'll get a chance to visit with him about some of the more recent data we've collected there at some point as well. Oh, that's after the program. I have farm news position thoughts coming up, too. But, I always chuckle because uh, George Ream helped you guys get the Discovery Farm started after he retired from the university, and he was concerned that you were going to have trouble finding farmers scattered throughout the state to start these Discovery Farms, and the exact opposite happened. Yeah, yeah it was amazing as we started the program. That was a concern, and then we brought George on, and it was just uh, kind of on purpose, kind of by accident. It's just the timing worked out. And I think uh, part of we owe part of the success of our program to the fact that, you know, not only did many farmers and most farmers in that era knew George, but he knew a lot of farmers. And so he had relationships. He had done university research on many farms across Minnesota. And so he was a trusted name. And so when he approached farmers, they were eager to get involved in the program. And now we have a waiting list. Uh, farmers are contacting us all the time wanting to get involved. The thing I like the most about the Discovery Farms, it isn't at like a plot at the Southern Research and Outreach Center at Wasik or a little. These are actual 
working in productive farms, different types of farms, different parts of the state, so we can gather that data. Exactly. And, you know, the program has evolved. When we first started 10 years ago, it was largely about um, being accessible and helping farmers be aware of the program. And so we were spread out across the entire state, and we had a, we've worked on a, close to 40 farms now. And initially, it was just a field doing monitoring to see what was coming off of that field. And that's very helpful information. But now as we've evolved, most of our, the farms we're working on now have at least two, if not three or four um, portions of the field that can be managed differently. And then we can start to, to capture water quality data that supports the decision-making around chillage changes or nutrient management changes or cover crops and those all of those things that are on farmers' minds and help them see on actual fields how effective are these practices. And then be able to, we've got this data, now let's try doing something different to see if we can do better. Exactly. You know, uh, it, it amazes me all of the things farmers have to process to develop their plants from crop genetics and how they till and the way they do nutrient management and pest control. And the way they do it is absolutely amazing, and it's largely because of the technology tools we have nowadays that allow them to incorporate, you know, so much data and then process it and figure out what will help their system get better. And we should also point out, too, the thing I like about this is it's farmers paying to figure out how to do it better because... Uh, a lot of the commodity organizations help fund the Minnesota Agriculture Water Resource Center. A lot of agribusinesses help fund it. Well, they do, and, and I would go even beyond that and say that if you look at the nutrient management research or the, the farm practice-related research that goes on in Minnesota, thanks to programs like the Corn and Soybean Checkoff and their supportive programs like this, we also have a program through the Department of Agriculture that uses some of the fertilizer tonnage fees that farmers pay. So farmers are paying several million dollars a year into the these various pools of dollars that ultimately are providing research resources back to them. And, Bob, uh, the soybean growers did help fund uh, some of this with the Minnesota Agriculture Water Resource Center. Yes, the Soybean Research and Promotion Council. Yeah. Yes, association uh, doesn't yeah. have that kind of money to do that. The money we have goes all to policy work. Yeah, well, let's point out the difference. I always <laughs> like to point out the difference because over the years I've been educated. Minnesota... Soybean Research and Promotion Council is a mandatory checkoff, research, education, and promotion. Well, this is education and research, whereas the Minnesota Soybean Growers Association, of which I voluntarily pay, and that's a scary thought. I'm yeah. one of Bob's bosses as a president. <laughs> but they're the board is elected by the people that that paid in, and then they can direct how those funds are going to be spent, whether it's what's going on or lobbying or letting their voices be heard in St. Paul or in Washington, D.C. So we have helped Warren over the years working on legislation to make sure oh, that yeah. we get this done. So, yeah, it's, it's exciting. I mean, this is, this is great stuff for farmers because they do the research. So if we had to do all this research on our farm, how much it would cost us to do it and it, they do research that doesn't work. So we, I mean, we they all they all do it. I mean, no. That's why they call it research. That's right, because, because you know not everything's perfect and always doesn't work great. So look at what the farmers would spend to to have this done if it wasn't for like Warren's plan. And we all don't have uh, the scientific background to set up a scientific study, and that's where you guys do. Yeah, it, it's teamwork. I mean, farmers know how to farm, and 
so by partnering with them to do the research on their farms, uh, we kind of leave the farming piece to them. And as, as Bob pointed out, when you're exploring ideas, sometimes they don't work. And so it's really important to have an entity, whether it's university researchers or others, uh, we're part of that process as well, kind of sorting through to figure out what works, what doesn't, and then ultimately farmers will figure out how to put it in place on their farms. And the Minnesota Department of Agriculture helps a little bit too, don't they? They do, absolutely. They're another key part of the team. Yeah. And I like the idea too, Warren, that uh, you're doing research on livestock and nutrient management with livestock. I like to call it organic fertilizer. Some would call it manure, but that's key to this day too because... I'm not mistaken, bragging rights again. This is your department. So, Jerry, how many new acres have they made in Minnesota a year? How many new acres? Of, how many new acres of farmland have they made in Minnesota a year? Uh, I don't think we're making any more. <laughs> so we have to use what we have better, you know. And that's what the work of Minnesota soybean growers and the checkoff and Warren have been doing to make better what we have. That make it more productive more productive, more sustainable, more uh, environmental friendly, because some of this research is looking at how do we save some of the nitrates? How do we make sure we keep our phosphorus on our ground? It's those nutrients that are really valuable to a producer, um, and we have to really hold those tight. And, well, Bob, you know, and, and just look how far we've come in from the 1950s to today on how we're saving the soil, doing the research to make sure that we're, look at what we grew in 1950, and look at what we're growing today. It, there's no comparison. I mean, it's two, three times more. And on less fertilizer, on less this, I mean, it's just amazing what we're doing to improve the environment. And that's what's going to sell our product in, in the future. And it's also look at the equipment manufacturers that develop the planters that can handle more residue. Look at the seed companies that developed... Uh, Resistant uh, varieties to different traits, and it's it's just it's just amazing. It it you know I started farming in 1970 with my father, and if we would get 100 110 bushel corn, we were oh man that's a super crop. Now if we don't get 200, it's it's really a, a disgrace. Same way with soybeans. Soybeans is 10 12 bushels. Now if you don't get 50 60 bushels, you're not a very good farmer. But so. I mean, this, these seed companies have done a lot of work for us, for us on, on getting the traits that work for our everybody's climate and everybody's soil. Everybody, I mean, it's it's you got to really do a science study to figure out what seed you're going to buy because I mean, there's so many different seeds for different types of climate. And you know, us on Buffalo Ridge, we have to be a little careful what we plant because our growing season is so much shorter. Yeah. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about livestock, too, because then that's a key part of our bragging rights for here in southern Minnesota. And if I'm not mistaken, Minnesota ranks number one in turkey production, what, two or three in pork production? Yeah, you know, if you really look back at the land started where we started before our break, right? I mean, because the ground was here, we started growing things. And because we started looking at markets, we'd rather sell a higher value product than just produce and, and export the, the cheapest, right? So pork production, turkey production, um, peas, sweet corn, all our additional value crops that are, are home to southern Minnesota or to the Green Seam or to Mankato as the largest uh, soybean crushing city in North America as one city location with ADM and CHS here. 
Um, and that value add of those businesses ripple to say, well, why is there a need for a soybean processing facility? It's because then we can produce better livestock because you get the essentially amino acids when you combine soybean meal with uh, corn. And so the livestock industry has continued to grow, and it's one of our it, – it's a, a crop farmer's number one customer. Yeah, and then go a little ways to the east. You mentioned sweet corn and peas. Bird's Eye Foods over there in Mankato, ConAgra, spent mind-boggling amounts of money building a brand-new sweet corn and pea processing plant. And it was hundreds of millions of dollars, and I don't think that was chump change even for a, uh, or ConAgra. And why did they do that? Because of the land that we have here and the farmers that we have here. You know, over the last five years, there's been almost a billion dollars of investment of new projects in food and ag in the green seam alone. A billion? Just short of a billion of the large ones. So I'm not counting what farmers have invested on their their farm and in grain setups and things that could be millions, right? But it's just, it's the Conrad, it's the CHF, it's greenhouses, it's a lot of things that have went in, and it's because of the knowledge and intellect that the farmers have here that it can continue to add value and think beyond just what they're doing today because we are able to grow more. Now what do we do with it? And do you actually work with other businesses then that say, hey, because of agriculture and all these other businesses here, now I'm going to provide some service or goods to the people that are there because they're working in agriculture. You know, it goes back to some of your listeners might remember the company called Midwest Wireless. Well, it was founded and started here, and the founders, um, not not much around here anymore, but explained that if it wasn't for farmers paying the high costs of the bag cell phones, that they would not have gotten to, to pay for the towers that they had to put up. If they didn't get off the ground, they would have never been successful without farmers, and then look what it turned into. You know, they sold to Altel, Altel sold to Verizon, right? We have this whole series of towers that are combines. And our planters and, our, and just our everyday markets are connected to. But a company like that specifically said, if it wasn't for the farmers investing in a new expensive technology, we wouldn't have been successful. Do you remember what the bag phones were, Bob? I'll bet you do. Oh, I certainly <laughs> do. I carried one with me all the time. Uh, good. How do you put that in your back pocket? <laughs> well, you, you didn't lose them quite as easy, I guess, did you, Warren? No, I remember that, too. It, that, that's an awesome story of how that developed. And it, it, that's, we, we could find similar stories in, in other parts of technology, too, but that, that's fabulous. And that's all because of what the good Lord gave us here. It started with the soil. You know, you know agriculture is, is really the lifeblood of Minnesota. It really is. If you, if you look... It really is the lifeblood, and you know sometimes our legislators don't understand that. They get and uh, and they get regular consumers too. Consumers don't either. I mean, it are yeah. Everybody at the, the Twin Cities area, any big metropolis, they just you know they're so far removed from agriculture that uh, they just don't understand how the food even gets there, and that, that's really sad. So that's that's something the farmers have got to do better. Is is talk. Tell our story. I mean, we have to tell our story and tell it often. And so that's something that I know we're all working on. And, and we have a lot of great friends out there that are telling the story, and that's what's so important. There is over 1,840 jobs strictly in soybean processing in the state of Minnesota. And so that ripple effect goes beyond the walls of, of the farmer, but it continues to evolve. 
And if you look at strictly just in Minnesota alone, it's a $7 billion economic driver a year, and that's from the production side. So it's not measured of what they're manufacturing from tractors, what they're manufacturing for the next um, parts that go into the processing facilities and ethanol and biodiesel, those things, which are a key driver. And so when you look at the whole ecosystem of food and ag, it's hard to separate really who is not ag. Yeah, really. Is Main Street business a selling insurance? Who is their customer? Is the accountant down the street, you know, working with I Bailey or Clifton Larson Allen, they know that a big part of their customers are directly in the ag, but then this other portion are connected to it as well. It's exciting to be in this field, and I'm really glad, Sam, that we've got someone like Green Team that uh, you're in charge of bragging. Yeah, that's, <laughs> we, we, we have to be stop being so Minnesota humble and brag, because if we don't tell our story, the next state around us isn't going to tell our story for us. Yeah. Well, thanks for your time, Sam, and everything you do. Thanks, Jerry. And you too, Bob. Thanks, Jerry. You're always great for agriculture. We thank you very much. And Warren, thanks for everything you do, and we'll continue to uh, work together. We will. I'm always glad to visit. Well, Gordy, I know you've got the national news coming up here shortly, so we'll send it back to you at KDHL Studios. Well, you do have another minute there if you want to <laughs> take it right up. Well, by... Uh, I didn't see the clock on my cell phone, and I was trying to keep my wristwatch so I could read it. But I knew that Zeta and the computer would know exactly what time it was, so I figured that uh, you could help kill the last 30 or 40 seconds for me. No, all right. Well, that's Jerry. He's in Mankato at the Ag Expo going on in Mankato. And that was our AM Minnesota program today. I've not booked a show yet for tomorrow. Hopefully I'll get that accomplished here before the end of the day today. And I can plug it a little bit later on. I'm hoping to get it done before our midday report. Have a great rest of the day.